Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Uh, We are very excited for our guest today. Um, I think so many of you are going to find a great deal of value in what she has to say and offer. Uh, And of course, we're always glad when we have a doctor on the program. Um, Please, Dr. Carolyn Brown, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Thank you for the invitation, Patrick. Yeah, we're grateful to have you here. Like I said, um, really um, excited uh, about today's episode. Um, like most of our episodes, I want you to jump in. Tell me how you became a dentist. How did you get involved in dentistry? Oh, boy. Well, I was, um, you know, a young corporate kind of marketing and data analyst, and it really wasn't very satisfying. I sat in my cubicle all day long, and, um, you know, I really realized that I missed people. So at the time, I was having some TMJ issues. And also at work, I had gone through some like Myers-Briggs personality tests because I was moved into this very small group that reported directly to the CEO of this, you know, Fortune 50 company. And my Myers-Briggs personality test came back with things like professor, dentist, like something that offered, you know, some, you know, business savviness, but also some ability to be independent. And um, it kind of kept like, chipping away at me. Um, so, you know, I, I, I made the, the, the switch and, and left corporate America to go back to dental school. That's awesome. That's a fantastic story. I'm always, it's always, I love hearing how and why um, people got there. Yours is certainly uh, more unique than what we typically hear. So <laughs> you're practicing, you're a practicing dentist, right, for a period of time, and then you started to make some changes in your career. Kind of tell us a little bit about your journey from coming out of dental school to where you're at now. Yeah, you know, I I was um, I worked in public health dentistry for a long time, but started writing grants. And in doing that, I did a lot of speaking around the country at all kinds of different meetings, you know, medical meetings, um, and then started, you know, working in with with new technology and new kind of pharmaceutical types of applications. Um, so, so I had my third child and really decided that I wanted to, you know, try consulting and sort of, you know, marry my interest in innovation with, um, my experiences and running and building a really huge, you know, FQHC practice. Um, so, so that's kind of, you know, my third child really was the spark and it's just been a really exciting road ever since. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And, you know, so let's jump right into, tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, so now I am the co-founder and chief strategic officer for a company called Different Kind. And Different Kind is, you know, a different kind of dental software. We are basically looking to bolster the provider with patient empowerment and really be able to do that in a way that will eventually impact the payer and the provider and the patient relationship. So that sounds kind of complicated, but it's really actually already happening in the medical world. Um, And we're trying to just get out there early and really empower patients and providers. And so what was the major problem that you see dentists having, practices having that made you want to be, get involved with a different kind? 
Yeah, so, you know, some of the main pain points were really that, you know, dentists aren't all that differentiated. If you look at Google or Yelp, in most markets, every dentist in a certain community is, is within like, you know, two tenths or three tenths of a percentage point from the other. And these are coming from, you know, multiple reviewers, you don't even know if they were your patients. And it's really hard if somebody gives you a negative review to actually sort of, you know, negate that or show that you've improved and made changes to your overall score. So I don't want to say we're coming in to really challenge net promoter scores, but we're really trying to do this in an evidence-based way that we think will lead to more transparency, to more trust with your patients, and to really speak for the providers, you know, in the face of, of, of provider and payer relationships. Sure. We have all the power in that relationship, and we think we have the tools to start to change that. Yeah. So, you know, online reputation matters. It really does. So it may not be fair and it may not be just by all means, um, but it does matter and it will impact um, your practice in several ways. I've seen studies that show that 73% of millennials um, trust online reviews more than they do their parents' um, recommendations. And I think that's probably accurate, right? I know a lot of people look at reviews and even if it's a referral base and one doctor says, hey, you need to see Dr. So-and-so, they're fantastic. And if they see that they're a 3.3 on Google or worse on Yelp, they're not going to go in, right? They're, 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 so they literally wouldn't trust their doctor in that place. So, so tell me the, so tell me what is your, what does the software do at different kind? What does it, what does it do for dentists? Well, we're still a baby software. So we, we haven't quite totally built everything that we've envisioned. But what it does is it uses patient-reported experience and patient-reported outcome measures known as PREMS and PROMS in the industry. And it allows, using dynamically generated surveys, it allows for providers to be able to see how their patients reviewed them. And it does it in a way that is transparent. So they could eventually take our wiki, which would show on their website, what their scores are. And this is from their verified patients. This comes from within their own practice. And there are areas where they're not as strong as others. We also have ways and platforms in which they can either use some um, continuing dental education training or be able to make some of their own internal changes so that very quickly the feedback is updated in their scores and they're not really penalized forever for let's say their front desk staff was out for a week or two with COVID, so no one was really answering the phones. So if that was an area that all of a sudden they saw a huge dip, they wouldn't be penalized for forever. So we're really trying to take this as a quality improvement tool that promotes agile staffing, agile workplaces, so that everyone can get on board quickly and really represent the type of practice that you've built to the world and be a nice soft intermediary between you and your patient so that you can hear their collective voices and you could also do some you know customer mediation if if the, if the patient said hey i'd like the dentist to know this is what i reviewed them on so that they can contact me so yeah. it's a nice safe place and and this independent third party type of software is really important because it will be trusted by all we have no one's interest in, at heart as a, we're not paying the dentist to participate. 
and we're really, you know, kind of crowdsourcing. Matt and I, my co-founder, spent a lot of time on Reddit, for instance, really looking at and listening to what people's complaints were around dental. If you didn't know, Reddit has um, a pretty active dental room sometimes. Um, and, you know, have really started to think about how can we give people voices, but in a way that is really constructive to providers, but also celebrates providers and their teams. We know that healthcare is hard. Yeah, and it is. And I think, you know, I, I say this and it's going to articulate this um, in a different sort of way. But when it comes to reputation and people say, what can I do for a reputation? One of the things I always tell them is like, hey, first step, don't be a jerk. Like that's, you know, that's really the first step in it. And uh, while there is some truth to that, there there there's also truth that some dentists have negative reviews that they actually deserve. Right, that they actually deserve, but they look at them and go, "Hey, now this patient is the jerk, right? This patient was wrong." Or, but when you see these and you kind of see a, you know, multiple reviews kind of stating the same type of sentiment, especially that's not your typical negative review. I think that is something that dentists should certainly look at and want to improve. So let me ask you this question, and it's going to be a little tricky. I think that um, there's a good amount of dentists who don't actually want to, and this is not just dentists, this is everyone on the planet who doesn't want real feedback, who doesn't want to know the truth about what their customers think about them and you know what their customers think about them and what their friends think about them. Um, how do you get over that? I mean, that's a real thing, don't you think? I'm not 100% sure if it's a real thing because, you know, most dental practices really want to be, you know, just, just even, you know, building out a dental operatory is 60 to $80,000. So mm -hmm. dentists have, you know, when they have, or even corporations, when they've invested in a workspace, it's a lot of time and money just to open the doors. And they do really care, I think, about their community reputation because their patient base is what, you know, really fuels their, their growth and their stability throughout their practice lifetime. Um, I think that there is, the real opportunity, particularly as we're looking at value-based care. So I'm one of the only, you know, dentists in, in the country that's really been working on value-based care from a design benefit for payers over the last six to eight years. Um, I'm the only dentist who, who did a, a, a certificate program in value-based care from Dartmouth School of Medicine. I've worked with everything from ACOs to payers to some provider groups. And what we see coming is, you know, some changes in the dental benefit industry, whether you believe it's fully towards value-based care or not. And I think this is really where we are kind of laser focused. We have, you know, all types of AI coming to reading dental x-rays yep. and then the claims adjudication process. And on yep. one hand, that might speed up the adjudication process. But really, most of those companies are working with with some of the companies that specialize in fraud, waste, and abuse review. And we know that some of the insurance companies are starting some of their own star ratings on providers. So who's really speaking up for the provider in this situation? So our tools are already some of the surveys that are used by the federal government to set rates for hospitals. So our plan is to come in and work with dentists for dentists, because both Matt and I are dentists, sure. to be able to advocate for those higher fee schedules, to be able to differentiate when it comes to incentives 
to be able to show not only their patients, but the insurers and the large employers in their area that they really are a different kind of dentist and that they're not perfect, but that they understand the need to continually improve. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So in your travels and your experience um, and what you're doing now, what's a couple of things that, what are some low hanging fruit that dentists can do to improve what their customers and their patients think about them today? What are a couple of things that are often over missed? That's like a, hey, work on this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's sort of a natural, you know, um, there's a, a natural piece between of discord between patients and dentists. Dentists see new patients on their schedule and they think, oh, great, how much money can I bring in with this new patient? And patients think, oh, how can I go to the dentist and spend as little as possible? Um, so I think that, you know, some of the things that we see that are regulatory actions that have been taken and put into place around simplified billing around the 21st Century Cures Act, these are both federal um, regulations that are coming into play that really promote more kind of transparency in the dollars pieces. And it's calling to task dental payers as well in that transparency piece so that it's a little less of sticker shock and it will hopefully lead to you know matching the right dentist with the right patient and continuing to build that trust because i do think that it's a place where sometimes trust fails between a new patient and a new dentist sure yeah that makes a lot of sense a lot of sense so um website is differentkind.com that's a fantastic uh, domain name and business name i love that um, I want to encourage our audience to um, go there and check it out. And if they want to talk to you, or they want more information um, about what you do. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So you could reach out at hello at different kind or to me personally at Carolyn at differentkind.com. And, you know, we'd be more than thrilled to, to have this conversation. Yeah. Fascinating. I'd love to have you come back on and talk about this in more depth, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.